Hello and welcome to our 14th episode of our well-being, of our well-being podcast. Next to me here, I, I have Henry, and on the opposite side of the table, I have the ex-head of maths, Mr. Burns. How are you doing today, Mr. Burns? I'm doing really well, thanks. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, it's been great because, it is great because, this is your half day, so you've given up about an, half an hour of your time to be here, so... It's a pleasure, Casper yeah. Henry. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, Mr. Burns, what other jobs have you had before Bodesert? Uh, before Bodesert, I had uh, I worked in three other schools before uh, coming here. Um, I started teaching, uh, and then after two years of teaching, I spent a year in London and worked as a finance officer for the English National Board for Nursing, Midwifery, and Health Visiting, um, in charge of the entire national nurse teacher training budget, which okay. is uh, interesting. But the rest of the time, I've been a teacher, yeah. Okay. So, um, why did you choose to come to Bodeisert? Um, I was living in London with the family, uh, so we had uh, two small children, and um, the commuting was into inner London was, was tiresome, all the people were tiresome, not enough green space. Uh, and it seemed like a good time to leave London and look for something else. Yeah. So it, it, was, uh, it was to do with living in a city and not really wanting to raise the family there. Okay. So um, did you always want to work in a school in the, tr- in a, in the UK, in a countryside, when you were back in Canada? <laughs> I came to, uh, I came to uh, this country in 1986 to stay for the summer. That's what I intended to do. I had uh, every intention of going back after a few months. And uh, yeah, that didn't work out. And it did, the reason it didn't work out was because uh, somebody offered to pay me. And they happened to be paying me to, to teach maths in a school. So I became a teacher um, entirely by accident. Because it was a very, very, very long time ago, you could do that then, back yeah. in the old days. Yeah. So, um, obviously, all of us have lived 12 year old lives here, and I'm currently in my 12 year old. But what advice would you give to a 12 year old self? Uh, this was, I, of all the questions that uh, you had uh, geared me up for, this was the hardest. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I decided to answer it like this When I was 12, I was so fed up with having two older sisters who were super smart and super good at everything and they were top of the class and they were in the school band and they were in the plays and I made a vow basically that I wouldn't do things that my sisters had done and so I wound up not taking part in a whole pile of opportunities that came my way because I stamped my little feet and said my sisters did it meh I'm not going to join the band I'm not going to do the play I'm not going to do any of those things and so consequently my life was poorer for it <laughs> so if I go back I would go back and tell my 12 year old self don't be such an idiot <laughs> that's what I'd say <laughs> well so you've done a lot of things you've been to Abu Dhabi for, for oh yeah years. yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. so in Abu Dhabi you Achieve lots of achievements. So, mm-hmm. what is your biggest achievement? Uh, well, at Bow Desert, no, your whole just life. ever. Well, my, my biggest achievement um, is absolutely uh, meeting and persuading Claire to marry me because, uh, you know, without that, life doesn't really have yeah. uh, much going for it. So, that's achievement number one and yeah. being a dad. So, 
you're expecting me to say all that yeah. because these things are required. So if we're talking about um, uh, other kinds of achie- other career achievements, uh, I would say that uh, I think I've made it. Uh, I've made a. I think I, I I think it was a good deputy head. When I was a deputy head back when back in uh, when I lived in London, it was a very interesting and very highly charged atmosphere. And I think I did a pretty good job there. I was pretty proud of that. We we went from a school that was about to go bust to a school which just expanded and expanded and expanded and has continued to do so after after I left. So that I'm pretty proud of that. When it comes to Bow Desert, there there's so many things that I've been so happy to take part in here. But if I was to pick one, yeah. it would be about four years ago, I took a team of uh, kids, four kids, to the uh, UKMT Team Challenge. And in this whole southwest region, with all the gigantic grammar schools and all these incredibly selective schools, were there, and we came second. And I know second doesn't sound like coming first, but in the company that we were in, it was a humongous achievement. And... Yeah, I was really, really proud of those kids. Yeah, so that was a big, big memory. Wow. So, Mr. Burns, yeah. if you could choose one superpower, what would it be? Well, it's something that I understand other people have. Um, th- like, for instance, if you go into a room and you can't see anything, but everybody's like holding their face and going, ah, ah, ah. And they call it smelling. Is that what you call it? Because... I'd like to experience this whole smelling thing where you can like learn about the world around you by by something of breathing in things. Well, um, and I would like to experience that. That sounds like an awesome sort of superpower. From year six and five maths, I found out that you, you've lost your sense of smell. I have indeed. I'd so, like it back. <laughs> <laughs> so, at a school with... Younger children, I can imagine that's a plus. Actually, if, if you're in a room with twelve-year-old children for over half an hour, one of them will let one out, aren't they? Yeah, no, that's true. Also, the changing room—I don't really miss smelling the boys' changing room that, that much. Yeah, maybe, maybe I do need a different superpower. I'll choose. I'll choose flying. How about that? That's weird because we had Mr. Kerr and Mr. Simpson say the same, and Mr. Oh, and Mr. Jet. Oh no, Mr. Jet. No, Mr. Jones said something else. Mr. Jones was like. It was like a combination of like flying and teleportation. Okay, I can teleportation. teleportation. That's cool. I can think of some superpowers that I wouldn't want. I would not want to have the power to see into other people's minds. Yeah, because that's some just, weird just very dark it. things. I mean, that <laughs> might be too disturbing. Yeah. Also, I'd be very worried that some other buddy, somebody else, might have that superpower as well and, and like, look into my mind. It's like a also, a bad thing. Era. Yeah, this is all terrible. So let's not even go there. Let's, let's just stick to flying. <laughs> So, you have taught for 22? Oh, much longer than that. Uh, you've yeah, taught yeah. here for 22 Oh, I've taught here, yeah. No, for uh, tw- nearly 21 years, yeah. How long have you taught? Overall, since 1986. So, um, that's a long time. Did yeah. the school give you a present when you got to 22? Yeah, they did, actually, yes. What did they give you? They, I, 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 I'm very difficult to buy presents for, but I got a, a very nice wooden cheese board with a, a sort of a BPS logo embossed in it. And inside the side, it's got a pull-out tray with um, little cheese knife implements, 
like little prongs to. Really? Yeah, it's a really nice piece of kit. It's okay. very, very. It was very. It was absolutely very, very lovely and very thoughtful. Because um, I was talking to uh, the sporting Robinson, the person, Mr. Robinson, the mm-hmm. person who did running Robo. Yeah, we we running generally Robo. running yeah, Robo. Yeah. And um, he said, "Well, what I wanted for my twentieth year, a golden Rolex," and he got. <laughs> A uh, a sort of tank top a with number, sp- one, number twenty on the back yeah. of Robinson, and the weird thing is, is his son wears his pajamas. <laughs> so Bodo, so you got the size and you're a little off. Yeah. But well, yeah. Uh, apparently, apparently the first idea was for uh, a rugby shirt um, with uh, you know some humorous thing on the back. And um, it, this got this got uh, sort of put towards uh, some people who might know a little bit about me, and they sort of shook their heads and said, "Yeah, you, no, it's not that." So, so I, the cheese board, awesome. I that, love I love a, cheese. I love cheese. That's the thing that you actually use. It doesn't really get absolutely, away. yeah. And but being a teacher, mm. end of year presents. What, what do you expect to have? Children listening to this. Um, <laughs> if you really, really, really want Mr. Bones to be your friend, this is how this is how to do it. If you want, okay, this is going to be corny. This is absolutely corny, but I'm telling you, it's completely true. If you want to be my friend, if you want to be remembered, make your own card and write something real on it really? and decorate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. because oh, any good. any 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 card that I've ever been given ever that's had some true love and attention and time put into it, I've kept. Really? Yeah. They are there. They, I still have them. Because the general teacher present that gets there is booze, obviously, yeah. Boots. Booze. Booze. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is absolutely it. welcome. I'm not, I yeah. am not in any way dismissing the, the very kind uh, things that people do. And, and it is absolutely lovely what people do. Um, and if a year came by and I didn't get a present, but I got a bunch of cards... That yeah. people have made. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you absolutely now. I would be happy. Yeah, because the weird thing was is uh is us in the front of my bus and it was the last day of term and the mother came up to the bus saying here's your present. It was a bottle of wine to the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the job though, buddy. Not on no, the job. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, the last stop is a pub. <laughs> Uh, no, people are, I have to say, people are very, very kind. Uh, yeah. And the end of the year comes around and people say nice things and they give you nice things. And they give some teachers scented candles, and they, which they've got millions of. Yes. Yeah. There, there, yeah. Used, to, there used to be a, a sort of a bitterness in the staff room that the, the women would say that they got scented candles and soap. Yeah. And the, the men would get sort of red wine and gin. And uh, this was considered unsatisfactory. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, as, as, as I say, a- anytime somebody's gone to the trouble of giving you a present, that's very welcome. And it is beautiful. And the last day of the year, especially being a year eight form teacher mm-hmm. and teaching as well, you know, from your five, your six, your seven, your eight. I've often known kids for a long time. Yeah. And that last day of the year, it's, it's absolutely the case that that's quite often most often the last time I'm going to see that kid and quite often if it's the last kid in a family that's the last time I'm going to see those parents and these are people that you've seen every day you know during term time for for years and it is it is a big moment 
Um, and it's the moment that makes it memorable. The presents are lovely, but it's what people put into it that makes it special. Yeah, yeah. Swiss Man, if your house was burning down, what one object would you save and why? Okay, so object, object, object not yeah. a, not a living thing. So I'm not going to, you know, so uh, the cat. Yeah, so the cat's already <laughs> escaped. Uh, no, uh, this this is uh, a book called The Long Ships. The Long Ships, I first read when I was about 11 years old or so. And it was a favorite of my dad's. And I kept a copy that became so tattered and falling apart that uh, Claire actually bought me a new copy, which was nice. And um, she, Claire always says she knows when I'm feeling a bit low because, you know, out from the shelf onto the bedside table comes The Long Ships. And it's a very comforting read. Oddly enough, it's a comforting read about, uh, you know, a Viking. Called Orm, uh, who Orm, yeah, uh, which means snake, um, and uh, he travel his travels to Andalusia and to England and uh, in fact all the way down to uh, Byzantium and it's a tremendously good book. I have persuaded precisely no one to read this book. I mean, a lot of people have sort of got five or six pages in and found something else to do with their time. It's very, very, very small print. It's quite a long book. Um, anyway, but that is the object that I would want to save. Yeah, so if from year five upwards to year eight, every year children do a beam test, don't they? Yes. Yes, and that is created by you, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Yes, and there's one special character that comes up every time, never <laughs> fails. Never fails. So, come. so what is the originality? The story this of Sydney the Snail. Sydney the Snail started out as a character in the original Beam Problem Solving Questions, which goes back to, I think, about 2006 or seven. It goes back a long way. So was that when the Beam was invented? The Beam was invented by me, and it was invented because we were, re the requirement for assessing and monitoring yeah. term by term had become a thing. and. Rather than getting somebody else's product, which I would, you know, obviously oh, criticize and find unsatisfactory, I thought, well, I've got to make my own. <laughs> so, so we did, yeah. and so we we made uh, the, the the three the three tier thing: the number work and the knowledge and the problem solving. And yeah. Sydney the snail uh, was a character in the problem solving. Uh, none of the other uh, characters. There's a few characters what in. What's the other one? It's like well, something the snake. Well, there was there was Perry the python. <laughs> which when Perry, Perry the Python came in and, and uh, a couple of people said, who's this Perry the Python? Where's Sydney? He's like, it's a test. You're not supposed to be talking. And other people, what? No, no Sydney. And yeah. So, um, so Sydney eventually, after a little while, Sydney suddenly appeared on uh, my whiteboard as a blue tack snail. Um, and the blue tack snail would move around the room. And periodically someone would forget that Sydney the snail was a snail and use it as blue tack. <laughs> That's and not then funny, it's no, it's not funny. And then, but then somebody would make it again. Um, and then, so a bit like Elf on the Shelf. Absolutely. Which and then somebody on? made a ceramic one. Um, and then a few years ago, uh, Mrs. Jones's daughter Evie said, you know, when she left, she said, "Wouldn't it be great if there was an actual sort of soft toy?" Oh, 
And that's the one that's sitting in our classroom now. Well, yes. And when we got it from Amazon, we sort of looked at a picture and said, oh, that's a cute little snail. Let, let's have that one. And then this giant box arrived. We thought, oh, this is Amazon doing its thing where it sends, you know, a thimble in a box the yeah. size of a suitcase. No, no, it was a giant soft toy snail. Yes, um, be, and so, yeah, it does, you know. Be, my mother, she looked at a pair of earrings and they, it came. <laughs> we thought that someone had gifted us, like, a car. Yes. And the man came wading in and, and we literally had to dig. <laughs> it was like you'd lost your sunglasses or your phone in the sand yeah. and you were digging, pouring through the Yeah, sand. and you were on a reality show and if you <laughs> yeah. if you found Mom's the earrings the in less than, you know, three and a half minutes, you got to win the earrings. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's the so that's the why we have a giant soft toy Sydney the snail yeah. in in the room, which I have to say um, does cause uh, people to you know eyebrows to go up. And when they find out that Sydney is uh, has an official job title, which is he is an emotional support yeah. snail, um, people find that um, funny. Except I do then have to put a serious face on and tell them that it's actually not funny that pe- children when they're coming in and they're having a bad day and they're doing maths and maths might not be their favorite thing. Having Sydney the snail in their lap actually makes people feel better. And yeah. if you're doing something you don't like and you've got an emotional support snail to help you along, well, that's a good thing. Yeah, because I know that some schools have uh, support dogs. Yeah. They walk around and Absolutely. they say in the corridor and love everybody. Yeah. Just... Well, it's one of the nice things. I mean, there are dogs at school um, and, uh, you know, you walk around and you can see people with their dogs. Hey, you know, it makes people feel good. Yeah, and, and that's. There's... There's a few dogs. There's two maintenance ones that you see regularly, and then yeah. there's Mr. and Mrs. Jones's dog up in the boarding house, and yeah. then there's Mr. Searson's dog. Yes, yeah. Dougal. Yeah. The one that sits outside his office, and the office wanders into the office yeah. um, around the school. And then, Absolutely. Yeah, no. it's just nice because you might be sort of getting picked up from the office, and you just sit there and you think, yeah, stroke a dog. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> it's it's good. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Barnes, what's the difference between your previous school and Brindisburg? Okay, so if you can imagine, uh, I think everybody who's listening to the podcast probably has been up to the library. Yeah. So from the end of the library meeting room to where the stairs start, yeah. Yeah. that was the size of the playground. Yeah. Wow. It, the school was four stories tall in a very narrow building, mm-hmm. maybe five, maybe five, five stories tall in a narrow building, including the basement. And out the back was the playground, and it was the size, the footprint of the library. Um, so yeah, that's pretty small. We also used a public playground across the street, so the kids would get trooped out over there and they'd get split up. Some would go into this mini playground out the back, some would go across the street. That's different, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're so lucky to have all this wonderful grounds outside. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's things it, that we take for granted, don't we? Yeah, I have to say, if you if anybody who's who's come from a London school, if they come, that's the some, something that they never take for granted. If you've been here your whole life, it's it's hard to realize just how wonderful it is because yeah. you you know nothing else. But if you have been to another school, especially an urban one, you just never get tired. Of that, you just never get tired of it. It's amazing. And they use it for lessons as well. You see, sort of English classes wandering around and stopping for five minutes, and then they would write about it and go on a bit more. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Oc- ecology, they have the um, animal map things that slow arms will hide under. Yeah. And then... No, there's so there's so many things. I mean, you know, we you know without you know sounding too uh, educationally, but uh, there's an awful lot of learning opportunities. You know, yeah. if you if you want to look at it something other than it just being beautiful, there's an awful lot you can learn by living around here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because um, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, on the last podcast we did, no, last before that one, uh, he said, yeah, it is. He said outdoorsy. Yeah. Yeah, so he he definitely agrees with you on that one. So it's things that people that we have that people that go to a school like this and have all those girls that we just think it's there and we have it. But then people I was touring around people a few weeks ago and they said, Well, wow, you're so lucky to have all these grounds that to um play around them and it's just there and it's you yeah. can use it and I think the it it uh, the fact that we live where somewhere beautiful, uh, it actually brings you to the next the other thing which is most different, which is that there is a definable, almost tangible feeling that you can you feel that you can touch it, which is we are a special place. Bodesert is a special school. It is it is different to others, yeah. and there's a pride that kids who come here have and have after they've gone on to their senior schools mm-hmm. um, and uh, it it's it, that's different that I mean that the school that I, I went to people went to it they might like it they might not like it but it didn't feel like it was a central part of who they were um, I, I think that for a lot of children who come here when when they leave a part you know cliche uh, part of them still stays here you know they, they feel that this is a big part of their lives, even yeah, after they move on. Yeah, there's the Leavers book halfway down the stairs into the library, but yeah. every year the year it's signed it and yeah. go off onto their secondary schools. Yeah. Which I know that lots of them, they feel, I've just left nine years of my life there. Yeah. And it's weird thinking that they've just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always so, it's always so nice to see when you know, the old boys and girls come back and uh, hang around and come, you know, take a wander around. It's always it's always lovely. Yeah, it's always yeah. good because I had two boys at the autumn fair that we had two weeks ago. They yeah. came around. Yes. And you've yeah yeah you yeah. Saw them, didn't you? yeah yeah. And they thought, wow, it's got so much smaller, but also there's they're new things, and I quite like coming back at the start of. And yeah, and you see, oh, they've put a thing there, all that's changed, and it's quite fun just doing that. Yeah, it's always yeah. evolving. Okay, so um, what have Bodesert children taught you, Spurns? As he says, looking at us with a blank face. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so the, the, this is this is a tough question because the the answer is kind of corny. Um, because the the answer is to be a better version of myself. I, yeah. I I think I used to be I used to be quite spiky. I used to be more, uh, I guess more urban, more you know fierce and you know sort of yeah. thrusting and you know. Um, I I think being here, you see, the you, children get the best out of themselves when they're. Mm-hmm. When they're feeling good about things, yeah, and you don't have to make a huge song and dance in order to do that, yeah. And 
I, I've learned a lot from the children here, but also from my colleagues as well. Yeah. But uh, I think you, you it, it is a cliche also again, but you really are never too old uh, yeah. to, to stop learning. You just got to keep learning all the way through. And so I would definitely say I have learned from the children here and my colleagues. Yeah, yeah because one final question that we need to ask you. You, every Friday, you and Mrs. Saunders go to the park and all the children follow you. And, and what, what uh, how do you decide to think this is going to be my thing? I will sort of help children along with their singing to every week. Like, sort of head of Congo. Yeah, head of Congo. A joint head of Congo. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's a, it's a weird thing. And uh, I, you know, hope we're not going to get uh, you, you might say. Um, so when it comes, so we sing faith-based songs, don't yeah. we? We sing, which uh, I have none, um, but I do have a tremendous, tremendous belief in the power of singing together. Mm-hmm. I think when when that takes off, when you really feel it, there is nothing like it. It's it's like if you go sailing, if you've ever been sailing, and the wind picks up and your yeah. boat just takes off. Yeah. There's nothing like it. It's like skiing when the snow's perfect and you just take off and it's effortless. Yeah. Singing is like that when the whole hall just suddenly gets it and everybody releases their inhibitions and sings a great song. Yeah, that is a wonderful feeling and it's a wonderful way to start the day and it's a wonderful way for everybody to do the same thing, which is really, really difficult to do when you've got year threes and year eights in the same school. Yeah. It's the thing that we can all do together. And I think that's incredibly yes. important. I remember being in year three, coming into Congo, thinking, oh, who's the guy in a sort of pink, pink shirt with a tie? Oh, is he here to yell at us? So is this actually singing or is this a trap? No, it wasn't. I think we've got to play this clip for everyone to get them motivated to run on it. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, definitely, yeah. yeah. Just maybe this, this question, just... <laughs> Yeah, this could yeah. be the trail, can it? Yeah, yeah definitely. And then I think I'll pump some energy so. <laughs> okay, so thank you for coming on our podcast, Mr. Burns. It's been an absolute pleasure, Henry Casper. Oh, well, there's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Claire did say try not to talk for too long. <laughs> no, this is perfect. We, we've been trying to stretch them as long as we can. Oh, good. Well, so that's I'll good wish. to hear. So for the viewers, we'll see you ne- next week in podcast episode 15. Thank you for listening. And well, well done for Mr. Burns. All right. Thank, thank you, you very much, guys. Bye.